So the man, the myth has spoken and he dropped some heavy shit, man. He dropped some heavy shit recently. Uh, I say yesterday is recent for me and for everybody else. Uh, shout out to Bloody Disgusting for dropping the article. I'll get to it in a second. But um, I don't know how recent this interview was. But like I said, Bloody Disgusting dropped an article yesterday. And John Carpenter dropped a bomb on horror fans, man. Uh, fans of one of his one of his best movies i think one of his top five movies in my personal opinion in particular and this is the thing about this movie man um as open-ended as this film is uh i i the thought really never crossed my mind as to what they would do if they did a sequel to it whether it was um you know whether it took place uh, directly after whether it took place like 10 years later whether it was like in the now maybe like 41 years later or so I, I it just never and um, as much as I adore this film, it just never really. I, I never really stopped to think what they would do, like how they would follow up with something like that. But the fact that John Carpenter is even teasing this, first of all, John Carpenter, I feel like I feel like he might have brought this up for a reason, because I feel like there are certain properties that John Carpenter holds near and dear to his heart. Halloween being one of them. We see he he's back on board for Halloween kills. He came back for the 2018 movie and he was so impressed with the script and the overall idea of the continuation of his story and um, the continuation of the Laurie Strode character that he jumped on board to not only executive produce Halloween 2018, but he did the entire score for the film. And, um, I, I think that's a good gesture on his behalf because John Carpenter was offered uh, the director's chair for Halloween H2O, but he wanted a hundred million, and they, you know they weren't they weren't fucking paying him a hundred million. I mean, get a man his dues. Honestly, I don't know if at the time if that was a lot for for John Carpenter. I'm not sure of the you know the 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 ins and outs of that type of thing. But they were like, you know what, you you keep them hundred million dollar aspirations and we're gonna go get the director from Friday the thirteenth up in this bitch and we're gonna turn it into a screen movie. Um no shade though. H two O is a decent movie, but I think it would have been a completely different movie had John Carpenter not uh, had John Carpenter come back to direct it as opposed to Steve Miner. And no shade to Steve Miner, man. He's a great director. But Nonetheless, man, um, let's just jump right into it because I don't really want to drag this episode out, but it's something that I've really had to talk about. The only reason I didn't, you know, I didn't do it yesterday. My daughter had just left and um, yeah, I just wanted to just like kind of like relax and just fall back for the night. But here I am talking about this because the article dropped, I think, yesterday or the day before and shout out to Bloody Disgusting for dropping that article, man. It's, it's just so... It's so strange that this is a thing like this is an, an actual idea that's being teased, man. But I, I think it's awesome because this movie I'm about to talk about is definitely it's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. It, uh, it's, it's easily top 10 scariest movies of all time for me. It is one of the most underrated ghost stories, ghost tales, you know, tale story, whatever. But I like to use the term tale because just the whole essence and spirit of the movie is it feels literally like a campfire ghost tale or something that just that just um carries on you know for from from time to time to time over and over and over it's it, it really is a classic film and um basically uh, let, let's cut the bullshit man let's just jump right into it what had happened was bloody disgusting dropped the article and long story short john carpenter teased the idea of 
a sequel to The Fog, the 1980 classic, The Fog, man. And when I when I saw that article, I was like, kind of like taken aback by it. And I posted it right away and I said, listen, anything, first of all, anything is better than that remake. We'll briefly touch on that remake in this episode in a little bit, but anything is better than that remake. But if John Carpenter would want to get behind the camera or I would rather he get behind the camera because he was producing or executive producing that shitty ass remake. But I would much rather trust him behind the camera and writing the script and doing the score himself and stuff like that. And, you know, rather than him just be overseeing the entire project and not give a fuck and just be knocking off six packs and stuff like that. However, uh, the idea of a sequel to The Fog, man, it's it's crazy because we know the original movie ended. Yeah, we know. Uh, 1980, like I said, John Carpenter directed it. Uh, rest in peace. Shout out to Deborah Hill. She co-wrote the script with him. Now, first of all, let's talk about The Fog really quick. The cast is fucking loaded. It's like part John Carpenter, part George A. Romero alumni at the end of the day. You've got Adrian Barbeau, um, you know, Janet Lee. You've got Hal Holbrook, Tom Atkins, Jamie Lee Curtis, Nancy Keys, John Houseman, the kid Ty Mitchell. Uh, he was in Halloween too a year later, but in this movie a year prior, I didn't even notice that was that was Ty Mitchell that plays the kid Andy, uh, uh, Stevie Wayne's son. He's the kid in Halloween too that has the razor blade stuck in his mouth. Uh, you know, I, I, the the myth was he bit into an apple and he got a razor blade stuck in his mouth, and they put him and his mom pull up to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. I didn't even know that that was him in the movie. Oh, and Charles Cyphers is in the movie as well. So the cast is loaded, man. And basically, for for nobody that knows um, about the fog, it's basically a revenge ghost story where you know Blake. There's this guy Blake, and you know him and his men who sank in the, I think the ship's name was Elizabeth Dane, you know, they sank and it was all types of um, betrayal and treason. And there are certain type of words that are thrown around in this movie like that. But there's a decent backstory on these characters. You know, they were betrayed by the six conspirators and all this types, six conspirators or something like that, whatever the hell is happening. But all in all, it is a revenge ghost story. And they basically come back to, to stalk the descendants of the people that are responsible for their deaths. And there was, you know, gold in the mix of it. It's like part pirate story part ghost story, part revenge story. There's a lot of, there's actually a lot of different elements to, um, to the fog man but overall for me it is a terrifying as ghost story and it's got a great atmosphere to it and um it's also got this really strange there's almost like a veil over the film like a lens over the film that makes it look very eerie and it makes it look like what it is that is a ghost story but um nonetheless man this movie is really there's there's no blood there's no gore and had they would have thrown that in the mix of something like the fog, it would not have worked as well as it did. And it would not hold up and be as scary as it did. This is a movie that literally needs no violence at all. I feel like everything is like either it's sound effects or it's implication. It's off screen type of thing. And it really fucks with you mentally because there, you know, for example, there's a scene in the movie where, um, you know, the guy, Blake, the leader of the ghost, you know, the murderous zombie ghost, he, you know, his ship pulls up next to this ship called the Seagrass, which these three guys are on it. And, um, 
you know, what what happens is the three guys get murdered and the last guy, Dick Baxter, who gets murdered, gets his eyes gouged out and you don't even see it. You just see the ghost, you know, sticking twice into the guy's face. You don't see the guy's face. You don't see his eyes. You don't see anything. You just see the thing sticking towards it. And that's it. But you hear the sound effect. And that's scary as shit, man. Like implication in off screen stuff can be terrifying, man. I mean, in a movie like The Fog, I don't mind it at all. Now, the movie, like I said, it, it ends on a on a, a cliffhanger, open ended type of type of deal where, you know, spoiler alert, how Holbrook's character, Father Malone, he you know, he thinks that everything's over and done with you know he thinks that the fog has rolled out of the town of antonio bay he thinks that blake and his men are gone and everything is banished in the town and everything's gonna be all right but the fog pops back up in the ending scene and he turns around he sees blake and his men and then he turns the other or he sees blake's men in the fog in the church and then he turns the other way and blake kind of swings that damn sword uh that he's carrying around and you know you hear the sound effect as it literally cuts off and you know father malone his ass is grass he cuts his fucking head off and that's a done deal and then the movie goes off and you got that dope ass theme uh, composed by john carpenter but it that's it you know that's it they, I, now i don't know if they cut father malone's head off and then disappeared i don't know if they went after jamie lee curtis and tom atkins and um you know um janet lee's character and nancy keys everybody and, and ty mitchell everybody that was basically in that church for the final act of the film the, you don't know what happens it's just like i said it's open-ended and um then in 2005 we got something different now 2005 we got <sighs> I, it really depresses me to talk about this man because the I went to the movies to see this uh, with the girl I was dating at the time and it, it was just a snooze fest man it's some of the worst money that I've spent in the theater ever next to when I went to see the others next to when I went to see scary movie four certain shit just you know what I'm saying like it's 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 a bad film the fog 2005 remake is probably one of the not probably it is one of the worst remakes ever made and um i'm eventually going to do an episode talking about best and worst and middle of the road remakes as horror wise but this shit is is a dud man it's a dud and you could tell it's one of those things where you know no diss to john carpenter but we know what the fuck he did we know that he just he was just collecting a check and he put his name on it that's it that's it, man, because there's no love put into this film at all. It was directed by uh, Rupert Wainwright. I don't know what he's done after that. I really don't. I'm, I'm not interested to look it up, really. It was written by someone named Cooper Lane. And, you know, Tom Welling is no substitute for Tom Atkins at the end of the day, because Tom Welling is basically the Tom Atkins character from the original film. Maggie Grace is in it. Selma Blair, D-Ray Davis. No, D-Ray was probably the best part about this movie. He tries to be the comic relief and he actually survives i think for the most part and um but the movie is is just terrible man it's a bad film the fog it's like you motherfuckers could have saved a lot of money on your car insurance by switching to geico by just getting fog machines buy a fog machine stock up on a shit ton of that fog making liquid and just go to town but no the majority of the fog was cg the ghosts are cg and just wailing all around the place they look, they look like fucking sarah bellows from um from scary stories to tell in the dark the movie and it's just a really bad film man the characters you don't give a fuck about the cast you you're just like okay wow smallville's in the house who cares you know no diss to selma blair i, I loved her in cruel intentions but come on man this, this cast sucks for this to be a remake of such a gem 
like the 1980 version of the fog it's just it falls flat on its ass man it's a terrible terrible remake but we got hope people we got hope and again shout out to bloody disgusting let me jump to this article really 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 fast i'm not going to read the entire article i'm just going to read the part that john carpenter um speaks on here and uh the article from bloody disgusting says at some point it says speaking with nme carpenter says there's been talk quote unquote of a potential sequel now he quotes again there's been talk of a sequel to the fog there's been talk of sequels for a bunch of my movies carpenter tells the site they just haven't happened yet because of various reasons he adds but yeah we've talked about them and i'm open to them now all right with that being said I know a lot of people might take this with a grain of salt because, you know, how many instances have we had in just fucking cinematic history where people are like, oh, yeah, man, you know, they're talking about doing a sequel to that. You know, I'm down for it. But, you know, we'll see what happens. It's one of those things where, you know, like when your parents, when you were younger, you asked your parents for something and you never got it, but they hit you with that. We'll see. You know what I'm saying? And you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And here you are you know, 20, 30 something years later, and you never, you never got it. I feel like John Carpenter might just be playing that parent teasing type of role. I don't know, but I'm going to stay optimistic here because I feel like John Carpenter is, uh, I, you know, I'm not sure how old John Carpenter is, but I feel like I would not be opposed to John Carpenter spending the rest of his career behind and in front of the camera uh, well, I meant to say behind the camera, rather just on camera, period. I would not be opposed to him spending the rest of his film career, especially horror, um, with him tapping back into properties that are near and dear to his heart. Clearly, he did that with the Halloween series. Clearly, he's talking about that with, um, you know, with this with this uh, talks of sequel of a sequel to the fog. But I'm cool with that because I feel like, uh, you know, he I feel like he can with how well Halloween 2018 was received, you know, I think that he knows now that if you put his properties in the hands of the right people, whether it's a remake or a direct sequel, whatever the case may be. And if he gets behind it and puts love into it, the same love that they have, amazing things can happen. You know what I'm saying? And I, I feel like whether John Carpenter was to executive produce and score, like I said, after that remake, I would much rather he direct it. He actually did say recently in an interview that he would not rule out the fact that he would not that that he would return to um, directing horror films. He said it's not it's, he said it's still kind of in the cards, basically. But um, I'm not opposed to that, man, because there are a lot of there are a lot of movies and John Carpenter's. There seems to be a trend with John Carpenter the way his films end Halloween ended on a cliffhanger ending Michael Myers was shot off the balcony by Donald Pleasance and he got away he said he had no intentions on making a sequel I still think it's bullshit but that's just my personal opinion um the fog you know it ends with uh how Holbrook getting decapitated by Blake open-ended you know and Something like, you know, I'll talk about the rest of the movies that are open ended that could have sequels later on in the film. But basically, this is this is a good thing, man. And I think it's good because there's a lot of people who are still around from that, you know, from that um, 
from that movie adrian barbeau is very much still around and she was in a remake of a john carpenter classic she was in the remake of halloween only her you know she was in one of the deleted scenes where she's interacting with uh what's his name malcolm mcdowell's version of uh dr loomis she's in it she's very much still around um janet lee is not around unfortunately rest in peace to her how holbrook just recently passed away rest in peace shout out to him tom atkins is very much still around he's in he's in uh the collected the third movie in the collector series and i still can't wait to see him in that um who else is around of course jamie lee curtis is still around she's got two more halloween well one more halloween movie to bang out and we've got halloween kills to, to look forward to nancy keys is very much still around john houseman uh unfortunately is not rest in peace shout out to him charles cyphers is still around he's in halloween kills we'll see the fate of his character as sheriff bracket in that ty mitchell is actually um Ty Mitchell's in uh one you know it's this Halloween 2 1981 movie group that I'm in and Ty Mitchell pops up every once in a while like yep that was me the kid in there and I just think that's awesome man but there are people that are still around that can jump back into the into the fold of this story because that's the thing about the fog um you can have a movie where you can try to make a sequel to it but the, a lot of reasons these decade and uh several decade old sequels don't work one of the reasons why is because there's no story left to be told and i put an emphasis on that word story one of the things that makes the fog as good as it is is that it's a story at the end of the day there's a lot of backstory there's a lot of lore to it there's a lot of lore to the town to the characters to the down to the elizabeth dane the boat that blake and his men uh, sank in there's so much that you can explore uh, as far as this film goes man and i feel like it wouldn't be um just something that somebody i mean it shouldn't be rather something that somebody should just do just for the hell of it to try to cash in on the name like they did <laughs> with that remake that shit that shit's terrible man i'm not going to keep talking about how terrible it is but i don't know man i there you know i i wanted to write down like some ideas of what they could do i i really don't know i didn't get down to writing what they could do with this sequel i didn't get in depth but I don't know, man. I, I feel like it could be a 41, uh, 40 plus year sequel um, with the Antonio Bay survivors. You know, the survivors could still be traumatized as far as what happened to them that night, you know, because it does take place, if I'm not mistaken, over the course of a day. Yeah, because um, it opens with John Houseman playing Mr. Macon. He's telling the kids the story of Blake and the Elizabeth Dane and stuff like that and once the clock hits 12 that's when all the crazy shenanigans start to happen then the rest of the film is throughout the course of that day that afternoon that night so um yeah it's it, uh i feel like they could still be very much traumatized because this is another thing that could play on the trauma of the characters nobody maybe nobody believed them you know, because it maybe it was just a fog bank rolling through town. Maybe, it, you know, maybe people thought somebody was just getting high as shit in Antonio Bay and they just had a good ass batch that just rolled through the town and just disappeared at 12 midnight. Who knows? But I feel like it could be one of those things where everybody that survived that night, everybody that's still, you know, around and living in real life that could play in a movie maybe they're dealing with their own you know you could you can tap into that shit that they did with laurie strode in halloween 2018 where you are dealing with a certain case of ptsd that is not sitting well with you and it has fucked you up for the last couple decades um the last four decades in one year in this case 
But, um, you know, it could easily be one of those things where nobody believed him because believe them because it's like it's not like Blake and his men were strolling through town and like zombies or, or vampires or some shit just walking around and, you know, um, picking up the paper downtown and in, in the town square of Antonio Bay and stopping for coffee and shit. Nah, the fog banks popped up where need be and Blake and his men killed who they were supposed to kill. And that was that no one else outside of the six saw Blake and his men at the end of the day. Now, of course, everybody saw them together when they were, you know, when everybody was together in the church, everybody saw them breaking through the stained glass windows and stuff like that. But I feel like it would be a good play on. Listen, you don't believe what I saw 41 years ago, then fuck it. I don't know what to tell you, but I'm telling you, I saw what I saw type of thing. And, um, you know, you can have Blake come back because whether Father Malone was the sixth person he killed at the end. Hold on. Let me do a head count really fast. Um, you had the three guys on the seagrass that died. You had Mrs. Cobritz. You had Dan, the radio or Dan, the weatherman who was played by Charles. Simon. Oh, yeah. Uh, Father Malone was the sixth. So with Father Malone being the sixth, who's to say that Blake wouldn't come back for another six or wouldn't come back for a seventh or something like that? Maybe Ty Mitchell's character, Adrian Barbeau's got to protect her son. I have no idea what I would do with a sequel to um the fog but i feel like it really could work because like i said an emphasis on story there's so much story there to be told and you can easily do a continuation to something like that now with that being said one of the things i want to talk about before i wrap this episode up because i'm not going to take too much of y'all time this morning um basically with john carpenter saying that there's been talk of sequels to a lot of my films they just haven't happened for various reasons we know he didn't plan on making a sequel to Halloween, but you wrote one. Deal with it. And it took off on a life of its own, and it's gone beyond your control at this point, but you are back on board. I am appreciative of that. <sighs> you left the fog open, ended. He said he's actually open to that idea. I, I, My fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I hope they make it happen. However, like I said, John Carpenter's got a trend of fucking movies that end on cliffhanger notes. Now... I don't know if anybody remembers this. Y'all can check out my episode. I did this a while ago when they first announced it, that it was in the works. There was at some point an article that dropped and I did an entire episode saying why this should not happen. This was before John Carpenter had said he was actually uh, in talks to maybe possibly almost sort of kind of be on board with it. Blumhouse and Universal are trying to do another version of the thing. Now, I don't know if this is going to be based off of the novel who goes there. I don't know if this is going to be another remake. I don't know if this is going to be a follow up to John Carpenter's 1982 remake. I don't know. I have no idea. But I remember when I did. Matter of fact, uh, the episode was called Blumhouse Universal. Leave that thing alone. That's what it's called. Plain and simple. And I was not down for it. But when John Carpenter teased that Blumhouse might have kind of sort of almost maybe wanted him to be a part of it. That's when I said, you know what, I'm on board because you know why? If John Carpenter's on board, there's no doubt in my mind that not only Kurt Russell will come back, but Keith David will come back and TK Carter will come back. Yes, I said TK Carter because we did not see Knowles die at the end of that movie. I don't give a shit. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. We did not see him die. I will not rule him out. But there's no doubt in my mind that John Carpenter would not do. Come on now. They're going to follow up with that. There's, this is a trend here, people, where you are continuing stories from decades ago. And 
I'm cool with that. If they do, if Blumhouse and Universal, the only way I will attach myself, you know, no pun intended, to a, another version of the thing, preferably a follow up. Um, the only way is if you know is if John Carpenter is on board and if Keith David and you know Kurt Russell come back because it's an open ended ending, and you know th there's there's speculations there's a shit ton of fan theories on YouTube and online you know what I'm saying where people are like well McCready was the thing or Childs was the thing and no nah, they just waited and see and they just we're gonna wait and see and then they both froze to death there's even a video game that came out on the original Xbox I had it it's one of the best most underrated video games ever and. It's a follow-up to that 1982 movie, and Childs actually dies in the video game. You find his frozen body still in that shack, um, or that sectional, whatever the hell they were sipping the, you know, the Jack Daniels in uh, at the end of the movie. You find Childs' dead body. I don't think you ever find McCready, but you do find his tapes and stuff like that. But I'm cool with a follow-up, man, and I would love to see McCready and Keith David, you know, just grumpy old men. They got rescued from that uh, from that campsite. And maybe the thing finds its way to, you know, uh, wherever they're at. I'm cool with that. As long as they go back to practical effects. That's one John Carpenter um, property that was open-ended that they could follow up with for sure. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, even though I didn't like this original film. Village of the Damned. Now, I've, I've seen it once, and... It's a it's a snooze fest, man. It is not a good movie. I think it's one of John Carpenter's worst movies that I've seen. I, I'm, there's a couple movies I haven't seen of his. I still haven't seen Prince of Darkness. Still haven't seen In the Mouth of Madness. Don't judge my life. I got In the Mouth of Madness um, bookmarked on my phone. I actually, I'm going to watch it pretty soon because it looks good. But um, honestly, uh, Village of the Damned, like I said, is not a good movie. But I do love the idea of all of these telekinetic kids, or were they were they telekinetic kids? No, they were telepaths. These telepathic kids all grown up. I love the idea of that. Now, unfortunately, Christopher Reeve is no longer with us. Uh, I'm pretty sure there are other cast members that passed away in that because it was a really locked and loaded cast, man. From what I remember, the movie was just a fucking disappointment out the ass. But I would love to see a follow up with these kids. I would just want a better film. Um you know, I'm not looking for children of the corn here, but it, it would be really, really good to see because the one of the kids from, you know, that lead little boy with the glowing eyes from the Village of the Damned remake. He's actually um, I can't even remember his name, but he's the kid from. Oh, my God. What was he in the Nightmare on Elm Street? He's in the Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 remake. He plays what's his name, Rod. In the movie, is he the Rod character? I can't remember, but he's the one that, you know, Freddy impales him and then he's like, we've got six more minutes to play. And he's like hanging upside down. He's the kid that gets put into prison for, you know, uh, they, you know, they accuse him of murdering uh, Chris. And he's also in, I think he plays John Connor in that TV show, The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Never watched it, but he's still around. I don't know where the lead actress, where she's at now, the little girl that's in the movie, but it'd be good to see the kids all grown up with glowing eyes and shit like that. I don't know if it would be as creepy. I don't even know who found that movie creepy to begin with, but whatever. Now, uh, the last movie, I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for this, but I don't give a fuck. And y'all can check my commentary out for this movie uh, if y'all want to, just to see how much I don't give a fuck. But uh, Ghost of Mars, man, I'm sorry. One of the most badass sci-fi horror action movies ever made. John Carpenter, 
you know, Ice Cube went publicly and said that John Carpenter really let us down with the effects and it's not a good movie. This movie gets shit on so much. This is one of the greatest fucking time. It's basically, I love that the atmosphere, not the atmosphere, but I love that the terrain is basically like John Carpenter's The Thing, except it's Mars. Instead of it being, you know, snow, it's fucking you know, rock, it's Mars rock, it's all red, I love it, and I love that they use so many miniatures in that movie, like I said, y'all can check out my commentary for Ghost of Mars if y'all want, but Ghost of Mars clearly ends on a cliffhanger note, um, you know, uh, Natasha Henstridge's character, Melanie Ballard, gets back to Crisey, and she tells her story, Ice Cube gets away, and, you know, the, the Martians, basically, you see the Martian spirits, you know, flooding over the, the, the area of Crisey, and you can hear gunshots and people screaming and stuff like that. So Melanie Baller, you know, she just jumps right in action. She gets dressed. She gets her gun. Ice Cube comes in with those chromed out automatics and he throws her one and he's like, the tide is up. Time to stay alive. Now, there was going to be an episode that I was going to do where I talked about movie sequels that I would want to do. I think Smoking Aces 3 was one of them. Uh, Ghost of Mars 2 was definitely one of them. And I don't know if I was going to call it High Tide or something like that or whatever the subtitle was going to be was going to be incorporated with one of the lines that Ice Cube said. Um, you know, because at the end, he's like, you know, Tide is high. T tide is high. It's time to stay alive. And um, or he said, Tide is up. Time to stay alive or something like that. I can't something along the lines of that. But they walk off and, you know, they cock the guns back and that's it. So it's like. I would love now I doubt that they would I, I don't I don't really think that Natasha Henstrich and Ice Cube uh, especially Ice Cube I don't think they would come back to do a sequel but I, you know as much as I like their characters even if something happens to their characters in the opening scene where you, where we're following their where we're following up from that ending there's so many directions you can go in with a Ghost of Mars sequel and that is one thing that I man listen before my day is done on this earth, man, I would love to see a. I'm, I'm cool with seeing a fucking fan film of Ghost of Mars too, man, because I just absolutely adore that movie and what they did. Like it literally, every character gets to get some. That scene where you know Ice Cube runs out and just starts spraying at the Martians, and everybody's literally throwing down. If they either they're shooting, they're punching they're kicking it's like fucking is so well choreographed man because it's something always going on and every time i watch that movie i see something different going on in the background so that's something that i feel like they could definitely do a sequel to as far as you know john carpenter properties go but um all in all man to go back to the fog i i really hope that john carpenter is not really you know teasing us like a parent here man because i that is something i would love to see man and i feel like how classy and how nostalgic would it be to see those actors and actresses just aged and all just doing some of their best acting ever because of course they were good actors back then but they've gone on to have amazing careers man and i'm talking about jamie lee curtis i'm talking about adrian barbeau um nancy keys and uh you know and um Charles Cyphers and Tom Atkins, man, how amazing would it be to see these characters still living in Antonio Bay, still living with that dark cloud over their heads, man, still having people not believe them. They could be like the town crazies in the, in the essence of somebody like Laurie Strode or Dr. Loomis uh, in the Halloween movies, man. I, it would be amazing to see John Carpenter. I don't even know if I want to tag you to this post because I just talked shit about, you know, uh, one of your films or two of your films. I don't remember. Village of, uh, yeah, Village of Damned, I definitely talk shit about. But, you know, 
I don't know if I'm gonna tag you to this, man. But I, I want to, man, because I want him. I be wanting these directors and these writers, just these creators, to know there is a calling, man. There are people out here that want this kind of shit, and I I don't know. I feel like some directors sit back. And they're not sure sometimes whether they want to do C. And, I, you know, if I was a director, I would probably be the same way. Like if, if like if I made Halloween and people responded to it so well and if I left it on that ending, same ending and everything, I'm not going to lie. There would be something in the back of my head, whereas, though, I'm like, if I do a sequel to this movie, I'm going to fuck up everything that was magical about the first one even though the first one exists you can always go back to that one but i'm going to tarnish what i started out to do in the first place i can understand that um but like i said uh, i just be wanting these creators and these directors to know man there is a there there are fans out here that want this shit man don't think for a second that you know even the even the movies that don't need sequels there are fans out I mean, look at fucking coming to america too there are people out there that wanted this shit. And again, you know, no shade because I did say that I'm going to give that movie a fair shot. But there are movies that people want sequels to that have no business being sequelized. I don't even know if sequelized is a word. If not, we just made one. But I feel like The Fog is one of those movies where, you know, you could you could really hit gold with something like that if you do it right. But I would really prefer if John Carpenter was on board as a director because you know, like I said, man, no disrespect to John Carpenter, but him putting his name, I, if, if I'm John, if I was John Carpenter, but of course I'm not, but if I was somebody like of his caliber, as far as film goes, I'm not putting my name on nothing like the fog remake. Fuck y'all niggas. Y'all, y'all are literally taking a shit on what I wanted to do in the first place. Do you know, I did that movie all practical and y'all want to put CG and, you know, a ghostly, ghastly CG images and all that stuff. I don't even know if there was a lot of practical effects in that movie, man. I, mm -mm, I can't do it, man, because I would be, I don't know. I just have a certain type of integrity, man. And I, you know, everybody love money, but it's like, I wouldn't, I feel like I would be selling out if I attach my name and I'm not saying he did, but I'm just saying me personally, I feel like I'd be selling out if I attach my name to somebody trying to remake my film. And I knew they weren't putting the love or nor the respect that I put into the first movie into their remake. I just think it's just pointless to do, but they do that all the time. You know, fucking Michael Bay walked out of the premiere of Friday the 13th because he said it was too much sex in it. And it's like, motherfucker, do you know what you put your name on as a producer? Your name is plastered on this shit from producer Michael Bay, the producer of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he fucking walked out of the premiere because of too much sex. Clearly, Michael Bay has never seen a Friday the 13th movie. Not one, not two, not three, not four, none of them. There's sex in all of them. Fuck out of here, man. I, I I don't like when people just attach their names to shit because it's just, I don't know. I'm going off the deep end here. So let me just relax. Let me relax. And um, let's wrap this up, people. But The Fog, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it, man. Uh, if I didn't make my point clear throughout this entire episode, I'm 200% for this, uh, especially with the returning cast members, especially with um, you know, John Carpenter coming back on board. I would love if they did, you know, a nice tribute to Deborah Hill in the, in the film, if they ever do make it and a nice tribute to, you know, Janet Lee and how Holbrook, uh, John Houseman, everybody that basically passed away. That was a part of the making of that film. Um, cause the film wouldn't, have, wouldn't have been what it was without any and everybody that was involved in it, even down to the, the, the bit characters. No, and nobody goes unnoticed as far as, how amazing that movie is, man. And it's pretty much all I got to say about that, people. But y'all already know. 
Y'all already know where to go. I need, I know I need some goddamn coffee, man, because I'm like, I'm literally running on fumes, people. I've been up probably since like 2, 3 a.m. No bullshit. Might have dozed off a little bit, but seemed like it was for five minutes. So for the most part, I am running on fumes, man, if y'all can't already tell. But uh, y'all already know where to go, man. If y'all don't, y'all can follow the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Public. Shout out to Anchor. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Romero Tudor. Shout out to the Facebook movie group, The Cinemaniacs. Happy Maniac Monday to you mofos, man. Hope everybody's staying safe out there, too, man. Um, Not too bad out there. Still a little snow. Still a little slick out there but it is not the ice storm that everybody was fucking preparing for it's not ang lee's ice storm movie out there with fucking you know elijah wood and christina ricci sliding down the block it ain't it ain't all that but everybody do you know be safe in your journeys and stuff like that when you're going out because i was actually i was in pop-pop mode when i was walking to the store yesterday but i realized it wasn't all that bad out there but i you know knock on wood i'm undefeated out here i have not slipped in all my years of living no rain no sleet no snow no ice no nothing uh i got my feet planted every time i got crazy ass traction but again man hope y'all you know cinemaniacs y'all have a good maniac monday and all that good shit and last but not least shout out to the two the reviewers the listeners the lovers the supporters out there um first of all let me tell y'all i i was making a watch list or i was actually upgrading my watch list last night i do have i still have to get around to wonder woman 1984 I have to get around to Malcolm and Marie. These are all movies I have not seen, which I put on my watch list. And The Mouth of Madness is one that I just mentioned earlier in the episode. Um, American Skin is on that list. Judas and the Black Messiah. There's a lot of shit I have on my watch list, people. First time watches and uh, movies that I just want to, you know, just review and get back to. Because I do need to get back to the... I need to get back into the groove of doing reviews. I've said this before. Um... I don't mind doing commentaries because I love reacting as the movie goes along. And I, you know, people, I love that people enjoy my reactions, my natural reactions as the movie goes along. But I do like sitting, watching movies, maybe once or twice, analyzing things, taking little notes here and there, because sometimes I miss things. And sometimes people will come to me and say, yo, did you see the part with blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, no, I actually missed that through the commentary. But that's one of the reasons why I do want to get back into the groove of doing reviews because I feel like I can do them more in depth and, you know, break things down and start to theorize about certain things in a way that I can't when I do commentary. So my watch list I will be working on today. I'm not sure what I'm doing commentary for today, but it will be something. Uh, I, I want to make it Malcolm and Marie, but I kind of want to do a review for Judas and the Black Messiah, man. I, I, I was actually going to do a um, reaction to that jay-z nipsey hustle song on the judas and the black messiah soundtrack because i've never done um you know reactions to music before so i was like yo i could try something different and just break down the lyrics and give a first time listen to and let everybody you know hear my reactions to it so that might be something cool to do later on who knows i I don't know people i haven't had any coffee yet i don't know where this day is going to take me but uh y'all already know man i love and support y'all show me i show it back to y'all tenfold and then some so with that being said people yours truly romero tudor another episode of tudor reviews in the can i'll check y'all on the next one